Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In this podcast, we chat about the defeat to Preston, changes Carrick has made already. We look ahead to Hull and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is our Borough Match Day chatter. In a pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avenali coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avenali spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Bora podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And this week, a late goal from John Story gave Michael Carrick his first defeat in charge as Bora manager and sent Bora to 21st in the championship table just outside the relegation zone on goals four. Um, guys, how are you feeling in three words? Uh, Dana, do you want to go first? Um, I think my three words are for God's sake and if I could say something stronger I would but I can't so I'll leave it at for God's sake but just predictable again you know set pieces four of the last five goals that we've conceded have been from set piece situations and only Bristol City have conceded more set piece goals than us now we've conceded eight they've conceded 11 um, it's just incredibly poor and you know what when that uh, sorry when that winner went in yesterday there was a tinge of disappointment but the main overriding feeling was just acceptance and we spoke about it in previous podcast episodes that you just accept it now don't you it's like you either have an opposition that pile about four or five players on Zach Steffen because he's somewhat vulnerable from crosses into the box or you have a man peeling around the back post nodding it back in and Bora don't deal with the second phase yeah, it's just it's getting um it's getting really boring and, and tiresome now, isn't it? So yeah, just for God's sake. God's sake, yeah. Tom, what are your three words? You had a deep deal yesterday, big night on the night as well. So how, how get you your wig uh, out, Tom. No, nah, it's over the other side of the room now. Um my three words, we were robbed. Um I just I don't feel like that was a, a fair reflection on the match at all. Uh by the end. Obviously we've done it to ourselves and shot ourselves in the foot yet again. <clears throat> but they just didn't look dangerous at any point during that game, other than the two set pieces that they scored it off. And you could tell like obviously it was mentioned on the opposition preview show by Ben the other day that you know they've not scored uh, they've scored two goals at home all year. Uh, 
Emil Reese is the only player to get more than one goal for them. And you could tell that in their their fans because, you know, we, we went 1 0 up and we were singing, you know, uh, Shall We Sing a Song for You and stuff like that and taking the mick. There was nothing coming from the Preston fans. It just seemed like acceptance of, <laughs> of where they were. And I, I almost felt bad for them at times. And then they come back and score too. And I was like, they've not deserved that at all. Um, so, yes, somehow the car ride back yet again for an away day took about eight hours, um, or at least it felt like it after after another display. But at least I got to see a goal this time. But, yeah, it just wasn't a, a fair reflection on, on the game at all. At yeah, least got I got to see a goal. Yeah. <laughs> Scraping the barrel or what? Well, you know what? I, I say I got to see a goal. I was in the front row behind uh, mm. our goal in the first half. So that was literally as far away from me as it could possibly be. I didn't even know it was Akpom that had scored it because there was so many people in the way of it. <laughs> kind of reminds me that of when I went to Blackburn away like many moons ago um, under Tony Mowbray and it was like really foggy, the game. <laughs> And I didn't see Middlesbrough score because the fog was that bad. And um, not only anyone knew we scored until like we started seeing like the players that running around. Um, so you like, no one had the foggiest then. Yeah, no one had the foggiest clue. <laughs> um, and then obviously Jesus. their two goals at the end uh, it was in like I think 89th and 91st minute or something. And yeah, we barely seen that as well. And I was like, that was at right our end as well. And the fog was horrendous. Um, and then my form broke as well on the way home. So what a horrendous away day that was. Um, so, Tom, I'll come to the, uh, the the atmosphere and stuff in a second, but I think my three words is, uh, I really, no, really like shape is my three words. <laughs> is that really boring? Um, I just saw Borough's shape yesterday was really nice in, in that 4-2-3-1 uh, and that 4-4-2 defensive, um, defensive line, and I'll come up with that in probably a second, but I just really like that shape. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's quite good. I mean, if you want to put your, your standpoint on the team, have a good shape. And I, I quite like that, but defeat otherwise was just horrendous and I just wanted to have a bit of positivity before uh, we go into the game itself but there's no Johnny's um, happy place just because there was nothing to be happy about apart from being dressed as men in black last night at the Halloween party Um, but (laughs) we'll move on to the game Tom because yesterday well you see Boris score you didn't see him take the lead but what was the game and atmosphere like for you at, at detail yesterday? It was pretty decent. I mean, I, I should have known how the game was going to go the second I saw uh, someone eating pie gravy and pickled cabbage in a social club right before us. Because <laughs> it was absolutely disgusted, to be honest. And I just thought, you know, think things are only going to go downhill from me after seeing that. But um... Chris Wilder sneaking into a pie there. <laughs> yeah, pint of bitter next to it as well. Disgusting. <clears throat> but. Um... Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was pretty good. Everyone seemed pretty optimistic. Like, the fans feel, felt lifted from from the way we have been recently. Um, <laughs> going into the, the game, I saw a tweet saying um, a man like Carrick was getting a rendition at the train station. And I was like, oh, my God, am I actually going to hear this? Like, I'm going to hear, like, fans who've been on the drink all day actually managing to sing this. And, yeah, it, it, it never got sung. It was... Uh, We've got Super Michael Carrick, and then Johnny Woodgate got a, a chant as well, which I thought was uh, a really good touch from uh, from the fans. But no, it, it did seem like a, a renewed bit of optimism. Um, then the game happened. Um, I mean, obviously we we went one nil up fairly early on, and the atmosphere was still absolutely cracking after that. And I don't know. 
it, it did seem like a bit of a sucker punch their first goal. Um, and then their fans got into it a little bit more. Um, so overall, you know, the atmosphere on the second half did die down because there wasn't too much uh, too much going on. But it, it was a, it was a pretty decent game to watch. I, I think from from our perspective, I would say that that performance was improved from from where we had been recently. I think at least we looked like we had a, a system that we were trying to stick to. Um, I just think some of our players that do need a, a bit more confidence. You know, for example, I thought Riley McGree had a, a really good game yesterday, but there were a couple of um, examples right in front of uh, in, in front of me where he could have took his man on and had a shot, or could have just shot from the angle where he was, and it just it was too indecisive. And by the time he'd kind of figured out what he wanted to do, that chance was gone. So I, I think. It, it's a good start, even though we did lose 2-1. Um, I'm not too worried because none of our managers ever win their first game. So, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a good start. We, we've just got some work to do in, in continuing to lift the players' confidence and, and, and just kind of getting this system, uh, getting, getting used to it, really. Yeah, because we did change system and we'll come to that in just a moment. But Dana, how would you assess things for on, on your end? Um, I you know what? I thought the first half there were some promising signs. Um he put Akpom on Ben Whiteman and a lot of Preston fans have said that a lot of their players funneled through Ben Whiteman. So the fact that Akpom was in that deeper position, basically restricting that build out from that midfield area was really good. I thought in the first half he did a number on him and, and he really limited the the impact that Ben Whiteman had on that game because he had to contend with with Akpom um, offensively as well. And we'll go on to Akpom later because I thought he was superb throughout that game. But yeah, the the... Midfield in possession was a lot braver, I thought. I thought they were a lot more decisive with their possession play. Housen and Hackney were really good in receiving the ball and then releasing it quite quickly. And I thought we had a much better zip about our play midfield. It did revert back to the kind of slow and pedestrian and indecisive pattern that we've seen earlier on this season in the second half. But the first half, I thought there were some really good signs. And yeah, the shape as well was was really good. Uh, we'll speak about it in a second, but I just had a point on maybe a potential weakness that I think we were quite lucky that um, Preston didn't really catch us out too much with. But if you look at some of the build-ups that, that Preston had it was that big switch it was either going to be that big switch or a set piece that was going to undo Bora and the way that we were really condensed and narrowed in that midfield in particular you know Jones was was very tucked in there it basically meant that Alvaro Fernandez on that right side sorry on that left side was free and we saw a few times Whiteman or somebody in midfield would basically switch it out to the to the wide area there would be so much space for Preston to be able to um, get in behind and have that double up on that uh, far side there was a few times where they did kind of get through and it's just I think we were lucky because Preston weren't quick enough with it at times it was on a f- quite on a, quite a few occasions that big switch and they just didn't really move the ball quick enough so although I did like our shape um, I thought that was a potential weakness and it, definitely something to keep an eye on because against a, a side that are a lot better uh, in possession from open play I think that might catch us out a few times. 
Yeah, and I think it kind of reminded me a little bit of like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like how a lot of Red Bull type teams, or you probably you can look at Leeds, for example, if you're ready for this, and how they counter press and how they use narrowness in the pitch to try and create opportunities from themselves. It was quite similar. It seemed to me that Borough adopted that ever so slightly because when you're playing like half and half system, you, you want to try and occupy your own space, but then the counter is the the probably the biggest part of it where you probably the weakness that you'll find from it. And uh we seen obviously Borough obviously introduced that yesterday, but also the four two three one Tom, the 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 formation that did Borough so well under Aitor Karanka um in the promotion winning season. And then obviously we moved to a four four two when we didn't have the ball. So how do you think we we managed in that system yesterday? Do you feel a lot more comfortable seeing Borough in that? Um I feel a little bit comfortable seeing us in that. I think there are some changes to be made. Um, as I said earlier, I thought Ryan McGree played well. Uh, kind of playing as a left attack in mid rather than like a left winger. Um, but then we had Jones playing as a winger on the other side and I didn't think he had a good game at all. Uh, so one thing, one change I would possibly like to see uh, in that formation is Watmore brought in instead of Jones. I think he could probably suit that right attack in mid uh, role quite well. Um, and, you know, I mean, Jones, he, he seems to be having uh, second season syndrome a, a little bit. He's, you know, getting doubled and tripled up on at times. And uh, it seems like fullbacks and, and wingers kind of really know what he's he's going to do. So maybe, you know, rotating him in, in and out of the team for a while. Um, you know, if he's coming off off the bench, I'm sure he could he could have still uh, a massive impact if if he's fresh and the the fullbacks aren't. Um, so I, I think that's something you you could potentially do there. And then I was thinking about it on the way back uh, from the game yesterday. I'm just the players that we've got. It, it does still seem like we might need to to recruit more players to fit into this formation now if we're going to stick with it. Which I don't mind so much because I don't. I don't think it's too much that's needed. I just, even though he had a good game yesterday, personally, I wouldn't be playing Chubarakpom as a ten. Um, I'd have moved him a bit further up, and you, you know, you'd be wanting someone kind of more like uh, Lee Tomlin, Gaston Ramirez type in that ten. Uh, even Diego Fabrini, if we just listen uh, tens that we had under Ito. But um, you know, someone who can pick that pass and, and you know un- unlock the defense. Um, I don't think that's Akpom, even though, like I say, I did think he played really well yesterday. I thought his ball carrying was excellent, and he drew drew fouls quite often, uh, which worked in our favor. Um, also, in the first half, really good to see he was actually shooting from a, a direct free kick chance, even when McGree did it at the wall. Um, because far too many times, in, in, like in the last couple of months, we've seen them just trying to dink it into the box from there and it's ended up going absolutely nowhere. So uh, happy to see who's kind of shooting from there. But it, it does seem like it's got some uh, some positive stuff to build on, uh, this formation. Um, I'm not going to totally judge it after, after one game, but I think there are improvements to be made to it. You were sitting there around Isaiah Jones and him having more like a second season season syndrome. Do you think that Borough's lopsidedness to that right-hand side is kind of forcing that a little bit? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um I mean it shouldn't be because we've got we've got Giles now was an attack and front on the left and you know, even with yesterday, I've seen McGree is more of an attacking threat than he is, you know, um, uh, solid at defending. Uh, so, so we should be able to to use both um, both quite effectively. But I have noticed it in a lot of games this season where, as soon as Jones gets the ball, there's three of their players on on that side blocking him off, and either they always kind of know what he's going to do. He's going to hang on to the ball, um, try and look for for an opening. If he doesn't get one, it, it seems like his composure goes a little bit and he just tries to like run past him. And there was a couple of times yesterday in particular where he just ran into the fullback uh, and, and lost the ball in a, a pretty decent area. The way I, I see a 4 2 3 1 formation working is that we should be able to create chances with overlapping fullbacks as well, where I think Smith and Giles should be be pretty good in, in that formation, uh, especially Giles with the, with the delivery he's got. Um, so we shouldn't have to rely on, on Jones as, as much as we do. Um, so I, I don't know if it's, it's maybe just a, a confidence thing for him now that, you know, what he's trying isn't coming off in more cases than not, but that's that's why I think rotation and out of the team could could be beneficial. Because uh, I feel like if you if you have someone like Watmore there for for sixty minutes doing doing a lot of running, um, you know, tiring the defenders out, you bring Jones on for the last half hour, and he's going to have much more effect there, uh, being fresh against a player who's who's already played an hour, and and I think Watmore could play that position equally as well. Mm. And just with that as well, I think when you were saying around like Giles at left back, we could maybe, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, Dana, but maybe put Bowler in at left back, Giles left wing, and then you could maybe have Isaiah Jones on that right hand side or what more. What do you think? Do you think that could potentially work? 
Yes, but I'd be worried about depth. You know, I think one of the issues that we had when the transfer window closes was looking at that midfield depth. And I still think in a 4-2-3-1, you've, you've got more and you've got Housen and you've got, I don't know, could Hackney play as, an, as a six potentially, but I think midfield is still a little bit of a, of a depth issue. And then you've got a depth issue out wide as well, because yes, you can have Watmore and Jones uh, on the right or Watmore and, and Giles on the left, but there's just not enough you know, we didn't build the squad in the summer for four at the back and for wingers. Um, you know, you can say that Giles is a winger and Jones is a winger, but they've been played as wingbacks for the past God knows how many seasons for, for Giles and certainly last season for Jones. So we didn't recruit for a four at the back, so I'm not sold on it. It's easy to say that it's it's shown signs of, of being good and being effective, but we have played some crap teams in recent weeks and and don't get me wrong we are a crap team in ourselves so this is not me being bitter or anything like that but I would like to see that four at the back be tested against a a better team so the jury's still out on the four for me um there's different variations what we could do in terms of personnel I do like what more as a as a sort of wide forward more than a central forward but for me I still think we recruited for a three at the back why are we abandoning it you know, I know that the options we have right now are not being effective. They're not playing well enough. But it's typical Bora to press the panic button and to rip everything up. Um, I know we've got to be flexible. We've got to be versatile. When something's not working, you do have to question whether or not you go for- and move forward with it. But I think we stick to the three and I think we make it work because we've recruited for it. And you're thinking about recruiting for a four at the back and wingers, it's just going to be a rebuild. What we are now, Johnny Rebuild 10.0 or something. Oh, uh, yeah. It's not I sustainable. Think, yeah. I was going to say, the last uh, article I wrote, I think it was about 5.0, I think. So maybe. Mm. It's probably that was 2018, wasn't it? Uh, I, don't know, I don't know. I wrote one quite similar around um, having like structure of oh, football. Yeah. yeah. So um, this could be, maybe, you could be probably not wrong, then. It probably is probably 10.0 <laughs> by now. But I think when you were, when you were saying that, then I remember obviously the wide change to a, a, a four, now we've got a three. But yesterday, did you notice any differences from like the previous regime in terms of like patterns of play, tactical flexibility? Was there anything that you, you noticed or picked up on? I think the build-out from midfield was good. We actually played some good football in terms of building it out from the back at times in that first half. And we evaded the press really well. We looked comfortable in that situation. But then there were other times where Dale Fry in particular was a big culprit of being poor in possession. The first goal that we conceded, I don't know whether the first goal is worse than the second or the second is worse than the third because the first goal is so sloppy from us building out from the back. Um, It's just a really poor and undersold square ball to Johnny House. And I think it's Ali McCann uh, steals in, nips it, wins the foul. But I think ignoring that, um, Overall, in the first half, I thought the midfield was a lot better in terms of receiving the ball and being able to release it quite quickly and get up the pitch with momentum rather than sort of being a bit staggered and slow and pedestrian. But I can say that. But then in the second half, it was really poor quality. And I thought that we went back to typical Oboro that we've seen this season, being slow, being pedestrian, being predictable. And it was a very poor quality second 45 minutes. But there was that. You know, the shape out of possession as well, being narrow, being compact. Carrick needs to make Bora hard to break down. And 
Preston probably isn't the team to be able to judge that because from open play, even though they had a higher open play XG than us yesterday, still don't feel like they were necessarily um, sharp in front of goal or sharp in creating those open play chances. So I would probably say, you know, that the, what's paramount in his intray is firstly to sort out those uh, set pieces, but also make Bora really difficult to break down. And I think that shape, um, promising signs from that, I think. I think that's why we, we did move to a four two three one slash four four two yesterday. I think it was just around making us more difficult to be broken down. I think over like the last few games this season, we, we have seen Borough get, get caught out quite a lot in that three, um, mainly just due to probably our high wingers and then also losing it in really key areas of the pitch. And I think yesterday when we moved to a four four two, it it when we didn't have the ball, it, it kind of allows you to have more control of the play and then also gives you a compact shape. So it's quite difficult for teams to try and play through you and it forces them out wide. But then also that kind of feeds into the press as well because you force the press into like wide areas and it allows you to counter counter attack with probably much more effectively and much more effectively. And you've seen that in the second half where we were able to comp we have we had a nice little compact shape and then when we they put the bodies forward and we were able to break. But the problem we had is we just didn't have the pace to get up the pitch or try and drive ourselves forward. But then when we did, we played the ball back, we tried to rebuild again. And I think sometimes you just need to kind of take that out of your system a little bit because it's too robotic. Um, but sometimes you can learn or you can learn, especially when your coach starts to build more into the team and build more confidence. You'll be able to have that, that shot on goal or you're able to recycle possession more effectively. But sometimes you'll be a little bit quicker when you do counter-attack. I just don't think we were yesterday, which is a bit of a shame. But I mean, I think it was still positive and we were harder to break down yourself or in game ones. But when we're looking at possession of the play and trying to build out, be a bit more crisp, be a bit more, try and have a bit more tempo when you're passing. Also, don't try and do a hospital ball just where you've got one per, with no man behind you. Dale Fry, don't do it. Um, just get rid. And I think we just need to keep working on that. It's going to be a long process, but I think trying to play out from the back with a team, with a person like Dale Fry, and Dale Fry is good, but I think he's not a ball playing centre half. I don't for me, I think he's definitely a, a kicker. It's quite similar to Lenahan a little bit where I'm not fully sold on them defensively playing up from the back, which I thought which I, which is why I prefer Matt Clark in that position. But if we are to play that system, I think Matt Clark probably jumps in, in front of Dale Fry for that reason alone. Um but if we start to build out a little bit more, then I like to see that. But going back to the shape, I thought the four four two worked quite well yesterday. But is what it is. We 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 uh, we had a defeat and we move on. But Tom, I want to talk about Chuba Akpom uh, for a moment because I thought he was marvelous yesterday um, in that number ten slash well that number ten role really in the hall and then he also played up top as well. Um, how impressed have you been with Chuba this season? Because you're not out from the cold and he's been putting some really good performances, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, I mean he looks better now than than he did when he first came to the club. Absolutely. Um, I thought his ball carrying yesterday was was excellent, you know, uh, drawn fouls. And something I have noticed this season from from what he's been doing, he's been using his physicality quite well and, and being able to to hold up the ball and, uh, and, and and lay it off to people. So, you know, coming in from, from the calls, uh, as, as you mentioned, um, you know, he hasn't been around the team for, for what, like a... Is it like a year and a half or, or just a year or, or something? I can't remember the last time I saw him play before this season, but he's, he's done extremely well. Uh, and, and considering he, he hadn't trained with the team in pre-season or, or anything like that, he, he came in looking like he had a, a point to prove and he looks better now than than you know his, his first season here where 
I'll, I'll be honest, I really wasn't sold on him, but I feel like now we're seeing why we signed him. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's, he's in the team on merit. And just with keeping with Akpom, he, he did give the foul away for the goal. The one probably bad thing uh, that he did yesterday. Uh, but, I mean, you can't really blame too much. It was in a in a bad area of the pitch. But should we talk about the, the Preston win? I feel like we should. Uh, then it all starts in, in that build-up, I guess. Yeah, it does. It, it is Akpom that concedes that free kick. It's a late tackle from him on, on Ryan Ledson. But it's really a bit of a domino effect of... Borough losing jewels. So the first one, it's it's a free kick put into the 18-yard box by Preston. It's a it's a long free kick. But before their second free kick that results in the winner is even won, Borough do lose uh, an aerial duel between Lenahan and Chad Evans. It seems like Lenahan gets caught under the ball a little bit. And what this allows is for Chad Evans to get the ball down. He passes it to Emil Reese, and this is where we lose the second duel as well. Moat has a few bites at, at Emil Reese, who, to be fair to him, does retain the ball really well, uses his physicality, uses his body well. But in that situation, I think Moet just has to be a bit stronger, to be honest. He tries to go in once, he tries to go in twice, and he just doesn't win the ball. So that's the second duel that we lost. And then, of course, at Pom fouls uh, Ryan Ledson, which leads to a very, very poor um, winner conceded. Um, it's just going back to basically Boris shooting themselves in the foot and that narrative, we did it for the first goal. We conceded that free kick, which again, talk about having sort of bite to the cherry, trying to um, win possession or clear it. The amount of opportunities we had to clear it, we didn't. The second one, the amount of opportunities we had to win the ball back, we didn't. Then we give a free kick away for both situations. So it's, yeah, it's poor play and really avoidable as well. And then the free kick happens, Tom, the build-up and the setup of it. Um, we've seen a couple of times this season, Jones has been the one that's been left stranded ever so slightly on that right-hand side. So, uh, do you think we should maybe chop the, chop and change this a little bit? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I think we've we've got an image here of, of before the free kick and, and how it looks. Um, you can see there at, at the back bush got um, Jones and, and Akpom uh, lining up to, to mark a couple of players there, Liam Lindsay being one of them. And Giles is the one-man wall. Personally, I would swap Giles with Jones. Uh, I don't think defensive marking, especially on set pieces, is necessarily Jones's uh, strong point. Uh, I'm starting to get kind of real flashbacks to Jed Spence. Uh, and I think it was his second season, maybe the end of his first, where he was just allowing a lot of goals at the back post from from not tracking his man, um, because I, I don't think that's his strength either. I'm not necessarily saying Jones or, or Jed Spence are, are bad players. It's just they, they offer more going forwards than they do defensively. Um, I think Ryan Giles is better defensively than... Um, than Isaiah Jones, which it is saying something considering when we signed Giles, we were looking at like strengths and stuff uh, from and, and stats from last year, and you know in terms of defensive duels and and stuff like that, that really wasn't his strong point. But I still think it's better than Jones. Um, so I feel like you swap those two on um, on, on set pieces. But what I also noticed yesterday from uh, you know again one of the uh, the only 
positives view-wise from where I was sat was in the the first half when we were seeing a you know us line up to defend corners. It did seem like we were setting up zonally, and I, I just I don't think it works for us. Um, there, there was a point in the first half where um, Riley McGree was lining up and marking Emil Reese at the start, uh, who, who was also trying to mark Stefan. Um, and then you've got Lenahan and Fry, who weren't particularly marking anyone at, at that point, but kind of marking the edge of the six yard box. I just I don't think it works. I think it leaves us quite vulnerable. I think I'd prefer to see us go man for man on set pieces and then you have some accountability in the team. Um, it, it just seems like that was something we used to do pretty well and it's changed this season. And I, I just I don't think it's working for us at the moment. Yeah, uh, I don't think it is either. And I think when we look at like the man-to-man stuff, we talk about accountability. Um, I want to look at like Borough's defensive line uh, a lot because of when when you look at the the shape that Borough are in, where before the ball's coming in, you've got Akpom and Isaiah Jones right at the end uh, of the defensive line. And when you're looking at that, I look at Isaiah Jones and thinking, why aren't you at the end of this the end of this line? And why are you a yard in front? And man, why is Akpom marking you? Um, and why are you marking uh, Lin- uh, Lindsay when not even looking at Lindsay? You just stood there and you're just looking at Brown uh, behind you. And I'm thinking, surely, uh, I think when you're looking at probably Lenahan, you're looking at Fry, and they're probably all saying, who's marking who? Get in your shape. Try and make it difficult. Because if Jones takes about two, two yards back and goes into that defensive line with Akpom, you do stop this, this run which Lindsay does make. And I think where the ball comes over the top, um, Jones himself completely loses Lindsay altogether, uh, spins off the back of him. And this is where he, com- he comes into a really nice space where Borough have completely lost two men at the back post. And this is very, very similar. You'll watch, if you watch Borough's uh, goals conceded this, this year, a lot of the goals that we've conceded have been from the back post, getting headed back mm-hmm. into the centre, and then a team goes on to score. So, was that sure? It's a Blackburn as well, also... wasn't it? Blackburn exactly. conceded the same. Exactly, and we we need to look, have a look at that, and we all look we look at that defensive shape, that defensive line, accountability, and just thinking right, if we're weak at set piece here, maybe we do bring our line back a, a little bit more if we want to play a bit, little bit deeper. Yes, okay, that kind of I think we'll play a high, very high line there because I don't think we're very comfortable of Stefan's catching ability. Maybe I'm not too sure, mm. but in terms of where George should be, he needs to be on the edge of that box, and it really does stop Lindsay's run coming in the back post as well. And maybe, Tom, like you were saying there, if you put Giles there or you put uh, Alex Moore in at the end of that, I think it does. I think it becomes quite limited um, in terms of, of what he can do. But he does get the ball at the end of the back post there and Hayden Hackney seems to, seems to lose his man. He does, yeah. He's marking Jordan's story when you see the defensive line is set or getting set, getting prepared. He's with Jordan's story. So that is obviously the eventual goal scorer. And then if you watch the goal back, you will see that Hackney is tracking him. And then all of a sudden he just stops. And what that leaves is story in a decent amount of space up against Boris centre-halves who at that point were ball watching um, or watching the ball come into the area and he seems to get just a couple of yards to basically leap on um, Daryl Lenahan who at that point is up against two players there in, in Chad Evans and in Jordan Story and I just feel like if Hayden Hackney 
just continues to track John's story in that situation, then at least that advantageous is that the right pronunciation? Anyway, that situation where it's more in favour of, of Preston is probably levelled out a little bit and at least fairer in Borough's, um, in Borough's favour as well. But he just leaves him and it's just that decision. You know, you talk about Jones there switching off. I think Hackney switches off as well. And all of a sudden there's just this really domino, um, really bad domino effect where if one person switches off, it basically just ruins the whole sort of set piece for Bora. And talking about um, advantages, it gives Preston that advantage and he leaps higher than Lenahan, who again gets, seems to get caught under the ball, but it's not really his fault because he's he's literally... 2v1, isn't it? Yeah, it's a 2v1 there, that situation. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's so poor again, so avoidable. You, you've got players that are just not tracking their men. Um, having men peeling off the back of them, it's, um, yeah, it's it's poor. And the, I like the, the sign-off of the analysis there. Dana was saying, pass me the gin. Uh, the malt curse gin <laughs> is available in selected stalls from Christmas. Um, <laughs> uh, but in terms of the, the, the defeat, then I think, you know, another defeat on the road for Bora, seven defeats so far this season. Do you think we deserve to, to lose the game in the end? Based on that shoddy free kick marking, then yes. But in terms of the game as a whole, I think a draw would have been a, a fair result to be honest um both teams took their opportunity in at palm and then in emil reese who by the way absolutely took the net off didn't he talk about typical borough you had the the former summer target scoring against us you had a set piece goal conceded a late winner uh, yeah it was pretty impressive as far as typical borough goes but i think it, i think a draw would have been a fair result i don't think preston fans could have complained about it and i don't think borough fans could have complained about it as well Okay then. Well, let's move on to questions then, because every week you get to send us a question via Twitter, email the boroughbreakdownhotmail.com or join our Telegram chat as well. We've over 300 Borough fans talking everything but Borough. And those questions can be, Johnny, what do you think about Elon Musk taking over Twitter? Or Johnny, where do you think the best chips and gravy is? Or Dana, where did you get your tattoo from? Uh, but we're going to talk about football this week. Um, and the first question is from Jonathan. He says, what do you see as the main defensive issues and how can they be resolved? Uh, Tom, would you like to take this one? Uh, set pieces. I think that's, a, that's, <laughs> that's an easy one. I think get rid of the uh, the set piece goals from, from yesterday or you know the season so far, we'd be in a much better much better position, you know. We'd have won yesterday if it, if we knew about Mark on set pieces. So, I, I think it's that, and I think it's literally the the, um, the matter of changing from zonal marking to man marking. I, I think you you do that, and you eliminate a lot of the problems that we've already had this season. Yeah, on the set players especially, I think you couldn't do the man marking system in open play. I think we've seen that uh, under <laughs> Neil Warnock, and yeah. uh, we got absolutely. Annihilated. Uh, against bit... Norwich, so maybe we yeah. should do that again against Norwich and get well. Daniel Fisher's coming back, isn't he? So you know, you got Daniel yeah. Fisher against Todd Cantwell, the sequel. Yeah, so, so there, we, there we go. I mean, what what a way for him to come back. Do you know what I mean? Not, not Todd, Todd Cantwell's. Um, at, uh, is he back? At, is he at Bournemouth now? He's, he's at Norwich. Back is that back at Norwich? Norwich? Yeah. Oh, okay, I thought he, I thought he moved permanently, but oh well. Um, <laughs> in terms of the, the set players, because that kind of leads quite nicely to the second question, because from Smoggy Balboa, um, not related to Rocky, I don't think, but he's just saying, why can't we defend set players? Uh, we know where our biggest problems are as fans. How is this not the main thing that's been worked on for, at Rockcliffe? 
And if it is being worked on at Rockcliffe, why aren't we seeing the evidence on match day? Uh, Dana, why can't we defend set players? God knows. I think it's what Tom said there, set pieces. But within that, I think it's concentration during set pieces because we discussed there switching off, Jones switching off, Hackney switching off. <clears throat> all it takes is one player to switch off and then all of a sudden it's those dominoes fall against you. And I'm sure the players are working on it, but in game we have to be more savvy we have to be smarter in those situations I think we aren't at the moment and it's so infuriating isn't it because that's the eighth set piece goal we've conceded this season and that figure is only going to grow and we said that in a thread on Twitter before the game it grew and two in one game I don't know, to be honest. I'm I'm at a loss. I'm baffled. Someone on BBC T's called in and, and said baffled about 10 times and it was a big mood because, yeah, we know it's a problem. They know it's a problem. Carrick knows it's a problem. And yet it still pops up during games. It's, um, yeah, Carrick has his work cut out there. Yeah, I think with Bore, it's just it's getting the simple things right and you've got to try and build on it. That has to be your foundation as a, as a team. You've got to... Either it's from like passing like simple tempo or control of a game or just little things, you know, like communication, little things like that. How what can we do to try and improve on that and trying to use that as a foundation to really build on? I think Karanka's and, and Warlock's team was all built on doing the basic things right and then trying to build mm-hmm. on that. Pretty sure under Warlock, I don't think we could build on the on the on the basics, but I think with Crank we did and it's kind of proved with quality over time we started to really pick up the results point. And, and the set, basics, um, um, so the basics are always overlooked or often overlooked. Mm-hmm. You know, we put that uh, video up uh, earlier this week about Michael Carrick on the, on the training ground, talking about opening up the pitch um, and, and, space, and yeah. yeah, space. And people were saying, Oh, this is under 12 stuff. Yes. But it's also things that, are, that are overlooked because football is built on those basics and the very best teams do the basics right so yes it is very simple stuff but some teams just don't they don't hack it as much so it's good that he's going back to basics because that's what Borough need we haven't been doing them well enough you know those little nitty-gritty parts of football that are often fogged by the intricacies of the game and overcomplicated, we need to get the basics right first and foremost before we can really move on to that sort of level of stuff. Mm, I fully agree. I I fully agree, but it will take time. I mean, you can never never do too much of the basics, to be honest. You've got to really try and master that and and try and build from there. But the the next question is from Chris. He says, where's Matt Clark? And it's a massive 10 days for us as well. Um, Matt Clark is still injured. I don't know when he's back. Actually, I think it's I think it's the next two weeks. I think they were saying so. We'll we'll see on 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 that one. But it is a massive ten days. Was you know going to Hull uh, on on Tuesday night is a massive massive game because we have to try and pick something up uh, from them. We'll break that down in, in just a moment. But the next question is from Nick. Uh, he says, "What's <coughs> happened to Dale Fry?" Um, Tom, what has happened to Dale Fry? I don't know in what context. <laughs> um, no, I, I've. Don't think he's been really an issue this season. Um, you know, I, I think everyone goes on about him like a, a ball playing centre back. I don't think he ever has been that. Um, and I think he's worked better in the last few games when we've moved to a four, and he's been in the back there with, uh, with a centre back pairing with Lenahan. Um, 
I don't think he's necessarily one of the the biggest issues that that we have. I mean, fair enough, he gave that absolute hospital ball to to cost the set piece for the the first goal yesterday. But I think other than that, he's he's been fairly solid. I thought he was poor yesterday. I thought his passing was. <laughs> it worked great, was it? And it did put Borough into difficult positions. It's funny actually because he he actually had the most amount of accurate passes of Borough's backline yesterday. Yet he had the lowest passing accuracy percentage. Um, but yeah, it was a mixed afternoon for him. I thought he did struggle yesterday in terms of trying to build out from those that defensive area. He's a good defender. I do like Dale Fry. I'm not going to like get it twisted and say that he's he's rubbish end of because he had a poor game playing out from the back yesterday. I think he's a good defender. I think he's a very good defender. A few, I've seen a few people saying that he's just an average mid-table championship defender. I personally don't agree. I think he's at a better level than that. However, in terms of ball playing, he is not. And I said that last podcast and I'll reiterate it. He's not a ball playing defender. So, yeah, those big long balls upfield are so annoying because they never go anywhere. They're so aimless and he's got to stop that. But he's a good it defender. Does, I do like right. It does leave Nunes with a lot to do. I did notice that yesterday he was playing a long ball forward down the right-hand side quite a lot. And Muniz was having to make a run pretty much from centre to go and challenge the uh, the Preston player on that right-hand side for a header and try and bring it down. Um, personally, not a big fan of that. Um, I, I mean, I think short passing, if you just give it to someone who can pass the ball and, and kind of do your defensive work, I think he'll be absolutely sound. But I wouldn't would it be say... great if we had somebody like a deep lying playmaker that can play those balls that Dale Fry is trying? You know, talk about midfield roles. We don't have a ball carrier. We don't really have a ball winner. And I think we need improvement in that sort of eight slash 10 hybrid as well. So there's there's work to do in midfield that I think would take some of the work off the defence as well, both in possession and out of it. I would say Dale Fry could be a playmaker. I think when he took the ball in the half turn yesterday and played it round, uh, that and went did a nice little forward run. I was like, oh, I lo- absolutely love that. Uh, I mean, so that that could be uh, the ball playing Dale Fry, but he's just in the wrong position. He should be playing up front instead. Uh, but the the next question we've got is from Mike. He says, "What would you say uh, our chances are of actually going down this season?" Uh, Dana Malt, what is our chances of going down? Uh, well, the way that we're playing is probably inevitable, right? No, I think that would be wet in the bed a little bit. I mean, I understand why people are worried because let's be honest, this isn't just a two or three game thing. This is what, <clears throat> 17, are we 17 games in now or something? It's been a significant problem. We aren't getting the basics right. We are poor defensively. We are leaking um, possession in midfield. We're giving the ball away sloppily. And I think going forward there's a little bit of a disconnect there I thought Giles was poor yesterday um, in his attacking still he's got fantastic deliveries and that you know you'll never be able to take that away from Ryan Giles but yeah the wing backs are a lot less effective and Muniz is struggling a little bit as well he's got more yellow cards in the past god knows how many games than goals I think his, his last eight games he's got two yellow cards and zero goals so that's not great but there is a particular stat from Andy Watson, who's been on this podcast before discussing Lenahan. Uh, teams that finish seventh tend to have a huge drop off the season after. And actually, the last club to finish seventh in the championship and go on to improve their position in the following season was Swansea in 2010 2011. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's been a few from Leeds, Borough in there twice, uh, Bolton, <clears throat> Reading, Wolves, Ipswich, Leeds again, Preston and Forest. They've all had a significant drop off. The worst one for Borough was um, the Woodgate season, where, of course, before that, we had finished seventh and then went on to finish uh, 17th in 2019-20. So, yeah, it's, you know, I think that's a bloody brilliant stat from Andy there. Some fantastic work to, to find that, um, but maybe be worried, Borough fans, because it seems like teams that finish seventh, it's a bit of a poison chalice the next season. Well, it leads quite nicely to the last question, that Dana, because uh, Tom O'Donnelly said, uh, if someone offered you, say, 15th in the league now, would you take it? So, Dana, would you take 15th? Of course, because <laughs> it means we stay in the division. I mean, I said I don't care about league position anymore, just as long as we see some progression of, you know, players getting back to their near best and, um, you know, the younger players coming through, I'd take 15th. Tom, would you take 15th? No. I, I personally, <laughs> I, I want to see us win as many games as possible. Um Never going to be of the opinion that I don't think like league uh, league position matters in the season. I obviously want us to improve as a team. I want character to to make this team better and you know a, a lot more cohesive. But at the same time, I want to see us finish as high up the league as possible. Um, so like it's, I, I think after seventeen games, it'd be a bit defeatist of me to say I'd take fifteenth now. I, I want to see us finish as high as possible. Well, we do have a rookie manager. I think, obviously, the situation is that he's going to make mistakes. I think this Borough team are going to make mistakes because he's going to make mistakes. And if if we had a manager like Corboran, for example, I definitely wouldn't take 15th or 16th or anything around that sort of vicinity. But because we've got Michael Carrick and he's, again, still quite an unknown manager for us. We don't know too much about his philosophy. I just think, especially with this team as well, where the depth isn't great, and the midfield isn't great in particular in terms of options that we have. I think for me, kind of combining that, the way that we've been playing this season as well, I would take a sort of safe 15th position. But obviously that's not where I want Bora to finish. I do want us, like Tom said, to finish as high up the league as possible. But yeah, um, especially in this league as well, it's crap this year. So you never know. Okay then. Okay, well, let's move on to the Zach Steffen praise and place then because the praise and place is sponsored now by Zach Steffen because of his positivity in that post-match interview. Uh, but the praise and place is the place. I'd like to give praise to players, staff, Dana Statoist, Tom's wig from last night. <laughs> My tattoo is uh, just getting it, isn't she? <laughs> Rams dead uh, in Middlesbrough, by the way. Yeah. Free well, promo. Free promo. Thomas Misuse, uh, Graham Daniels hairdressers. Anyway, we you know we'll we'll do any pra- praise and place. Uh, you just give us a name and we'll praise it in the praise and place. Um, but who gets the position this week, guys? Who gets your place? Uh, Tom, who is your nomination? I'd probably have to go with Riley McGree and Chubarakpom. I thought both of them played really well yesterday. Uh, I think McGree in particular, he hasn't played well uh this season. I, I I can't I could probably count on one hand the uh the games where I've come away and thought, you know what, McGree's had a really good game there. And he was put into into the team yesterday in a new role, took his chance. I, I thought um you could see uh again from my uh, my vantage point in the front row, uh pretty much an eye line level with him running forward in the second half, he was absolutely knackered. Uh, from around the 70th to 75th minutes because of all the uh, the sprint he was doing on the counter-attacks when we were breaking um, and, and, you know, 
how involved in the play he was getting. Um, he you know ran his socks off yesterday, and fair play to him. I thought he did really well. And Akpom, as I mentioned, I thought he was great yesterday. I've got a goal, and then in that number ten position, which we've not seen him play before, carrying the ball well. Um, slight criticism is I think he could have released the ball a bit earlier at times, but carried the ball well and and drew fouls quite often. Which I think if if we're going to uh, carry on with four two three one um, and and playing Tuba in that uh, that number ten role, I think that could be uh, a pretty decent asset for us, especially if we're going to start shooting off free kicks now as well. Okay, then. Dana, who gets yours? <clears throat> Yeah, Akpom, I thought he was brilliant in that first half in particular. And he did fade in the second half, but it was to be expected because he worked really hard. He is a good blend of physicality and, as Tom said, ball carrying ability. And I thought he did really well up against uh, Ben Whiteman. He drew five fouls in that game. And in this game, we call Casey Palmer of Coventry won more fouls than him. Um, he got six. So, yeah, I thought Akpom did that role really, really well, considering that I don't feel like that's a position that Pom's really dabbled in too many times, maybe when he was a youngster at Arsenal. But yeah, he was brilliant. And um, I'm really happy for him, you know, because he was, you know, he, he was sort of cast aside to go back to Greece at Pauk. And I don't think any Borough fan really expected him to come back. And he's come back and he's he's got a point to prove and he's proven that point so far. He's been a really effective forward for us. And yeah, I'm really happy for Pom. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a hat-trick for Akpom in the present place this week. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't get the sponsorship for next week. Zach Stefan's present place will remain uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, but yeah, I think Akpom for me was sensational yesterday. <laughs> and hopefully just uh, he continues his, his good form in the coming weeks. But just before we move on to Hall, I just want to quickly mention uh, the Morton Neuron Disease Association. Uh, we are still raising money uh, for our charity this year. We're trying to hit £3,000. And it is probably the last episode of Morton Neuron Disease Awareness Month. So this is why we've had the podcast blue for the month. And if you just had, if you had and donate uh, a tenner, that could help fund an information pack for someone who has recently been diagnosed with MND. But also uh, the money we've generated already, uh, we've, we're as well over 750. We're just just shy of, of, of three grand at the moment. So that's absolutely amazing. But that in itself is helping fund uh, an MND expert researcher uh, for a week. And then also, if you want to help us further, uh, we're working with Teesside as well. Um, it, it's just have loads of Borough Breakdown merch, including the Malt Curse, uh, some Borough Breakdown <laughs> themed hats, uh, a Borough Breakdown themed mug. And there was a Tav mug until he got sold. Uh, so that, that's why we that's why we introduced a Malt Curse t-shirt. Um, but also with that as well, we've got some really cool merch as well and uh, a, a shirt as well, which is on Dana's wall if you are watching us on YouTube, which is very, very cool. And Tom wore it yesterday, but he's still yet to see us winning it. Um, oh, I have. <laughs> oh, no, I've, you have. Uh... I have, yeah. Was it the Birmingham game? Maybe. Uh, but I, I worked it out on the on the way to the game yesterday. I've seen a win, a draw, and a loss, and I've seen two losses in it. So it's time to wash it, really, and never wear it again for a match. <laughs> and never wear it again. Okay, Find a new well, shirt. Yeah. Or we could wear the blonde wig, Tom, and that could be the lucky wig. <laughs> no, like I feel like if no. If no one's in our Telegram chat, you probably will have no idea what that means. Uh, but we could post it. Who knows? Um, but yeah, maybe the lucky wig, Tom, with the lucky eye patch. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, speaking of eye patches, let's talk about Hull then. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, let's go to a hole then, because Liam Rossini is expected to take over Hull uh, in the coming days, but won't be in the dugout for Tuesday. Uh, Andy Dawson's currently at interim charge um, after they were lost five in a row under Shotter until they got sacked. Um, so a little bit of insight on, on Hull then. They've moved to more of a 4-2-3-1 system over the last eight games. They used to be in a 3-4-1-2, which was very similar. Um, to borrow they're a team that's really struggling to create at the moment with their xg being below one in 12 out of the 17 games this season so creativity is a bit of an issue but defensively as well 32 goals conceded already uh this season which is the worst in the championship but if you want something for your coupon i would recommend this one uh middlesbrough and hull uh a third and fifth uh, so hull a third borough fifth uh i think i've got another way mixed around sorry it's borough third hull a fifth uh for conceding first within the 15 minutes uh so maybe a goal within the first 15 minutes might be something you want to put a a little pound on, um, but now it'll happen. Uh, we're actually very, very low ball flows for that middle section for in the first half, so maybe something for that. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but in terms of players to watch, Jacob Greaves, I think naturally will get the the pick because you know Borough after him so much in the summer, and you can see why. Really good progressor of the ball, good defensively as well. But he has been playing left back all the last few games because of Callum Elder being injured with a hamstring injury. But Elder is expected to make the return to the bench, so we might see Greaves on that left hand side again. Uh, Serian in midfield, that double pivot with Ryan Woods. Um, Serian is actually a very intriguing player because all of his stats, he's in like the in the key stats, he's in the high ninety percentiles uh, for recovery in ball progressing um, and he's where he's quite limited in some aspects of like more of like the advancing third bit so what you'll see him he'll try and play through the thirds get the ball at line and try and get them playing so it's really key uh, for Borough to have a specific pressing in but up top Pelkas on that left hand side look to, to maybe cut in and try and play that through a ball for uh, for the centre forward and we'll see because uh, the main centre forward Oscar Esther Pinyan uh, is currently injured, I believe. Um, so we'll see who the, the player up front. But I think with the way Bora play at the moment and they had that 4-4-2 uh, in, in the last game, I think it's going to be really effective uh, for Bora for trying to infiltrate that centre and half space because you do keep protected, but also you have that compactness as well. But what you'll see with Hull, they'll try and play through teams. So if you try and get the ball out wide to them, they don't create too much, but we might see that actually happen a little bit more in this game if Borough tried to be a bit more advancing. But see, for me, I think the press is really important. Try to put really press on Seri, try to stop the limited progression of play. I think that's where Borough might have a bit, a bit of joy, especially with that counter press that we've seen um, against Preston. That's where I think Borough, one of Borough's goals may come from. So, predictions. Let's talk about them, what we're predicting for Hull, because... This could be anything. Uh, Dana, what is your prediction against Hull? I'm worried about this one. I'm not going to lie, because whenever we go to Hull, when the chips are down, we always seem to capitulate. And we've actually lost our last three games uh, against them. And when it comes to our record at Hull, we haven't beaten them since October the 31st, 2017. So... I'm a little bit worried, I'm not going to lie. Just to add to a few stats that you mentioned there, Hull have conceded the most penalties in the division in four, or with four, sorry. So maybe a penalty there for Bora, I'm not so sure. Um, who would take that, actually? It would be Muniz, right, if he's playing? Because um, Paddy McNair is usually our penalty taker, but if he's not in the team, then he can't take it. But anyway, um, irrelevant. Or I was going to took the last one, um, but Giles yes. was very disappointed that he didn't take it, so... <laughs> <laughs> maybe they've maybe they've made up. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. 
Interesting. Asked me. And his shoe falls off again. Oh, that was funny. Um, I'm gonna go with. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go two one hole. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I can. I can only see that. I'm glad they don't have Malik Wilkes though, because he always mm. scores against us, doesn't he? When he's playing for Hull, so I'm glad he's not playing for Hull anymore. <laughs> the reverse malt, uh, curse psychology. I like it. Uh, Tom, what are you going to go for? You know what? This is based on absolutely nothing other than a feeling I got after the match yesterday uh, with how I thought we'd improved. Um, I'm going for no Borough. I, I just, I, I don't know. I really fancy us to win on Tuesday for some reason. Okay, then. Uh, Me and so... Tom are like yin and yang in this episode, aren't we? We're like... I feel Opposites. like I should just go. I feel like I should just go for a draw, just so like one of us gets it right. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to go over one-one draw. Uh, um, both goals in the first 15 minutes, um, and that'd be happy days. But yeah, I think it's going to be a really difficult game for us. But saying that whole of of like I mentioned there, been struggling to create. Um, but it, you never know with with Borough these days. It's going to see. It's going to. We'll have to see what, which Borough turns up. I think, but. I'd love to see a win, uh, a two-one win would be fantastic. But I think one-one draw is kind of what we needed. Something just to build on and get the first point on the board for Carrick and then progress uh, from there. I think we will. But guys, uh, that's it. Thank you very much for joining me as always. And to listeners and viewers, thank you very much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. But stories leaving Borough in the deep. Dale at chapter 21st in the table, but Bora going to the Tigers needing a much needed win. This has been the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was our Bora Mash Day chatter in a pod. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.